morning and welcome to Hollywood United Methodist Church on this Trinity Sunday. We are so pleased to have you join us in worship. And now let us join our hearts and minds together as we join our opening hymn, Joyful, Joyful. In the silence of our hearts or in spoken words, let us give thanks for the gift of this day and pray for the life of the world. Gracious, loving God, as we gather together this morning in praise, we remember you loved this world so much that you sent your own son, Jesus Christ, to live and die among us in order that we might have life. Blow, wind of God, Blow away the tight rules that hold us back from trusting, risking, loving. Blow away our sin that stands in the way of encountering our neighbors. Prepare us for risk and equip us with courage and vision for the new thing that waits around the corner. We cannot choose the stories we have inherited, but we can choose the stories that we become. Help us as we pray at these times when we think we are too old or too poor or too small or too weak or too busy 
Daunted by the sheer wonder of the plan you lay out before us, we come to you now, aware of all you have done for us, and yet still struggling with our doubts and fears. We pray for all those who long for a new beginning, those who are imprisoned, those who are estranged, those who have left loved ones behind, and those who are ill or infirm. Give them all new life by the power of your spirit. Help us to see how we can be present with them as your hands and feet. We pray for this world where so many wander homeless, not by choice, but out of necessity. Where so many are looking for milk and honey or a great name to rescue them. We pray for all the people in this world, particularly those who are the victims of oppression and discrimination and those who are fighting so hard for justice for all. We pray for all who lay down their lives for the safety of siblings and neighbors. We pray for those who lead us. We pray for those who paid the ultimate price on behalf of our nation. We pray that their sacrifices are never forgotten, nor is the pain of their families. And we pray for the family and friends of George Floyd as we mark the anniversary of his murder. We pray for a nation which is united in peace and justice for all of God's beloved children. Teach us what it means to live as children of the light, generously sharing your abundance with all those who are in need of your life-giving grace and love. We ask all this in the name of your Son, our Savior and Lord, as we say the prayer he taught us, our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to go straight into announcements this morning, and I only have a couple for you. One is Spirit Pub is continuing to meet on Tuesdays, still online, until June the 15th, when our beloved Mickey's reopens and we will go back to being in person. And also Bigger Table will meet this coming Sunday, June 6th, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. For details of either of those, please email me, revdenise at hollywoodumc.org. Everything we do here is made possible by you, by your prayers, your service, your presence, your witness, your gifts, and your financial gifts. And in these difficult times, we need your help more than ever. There are a number of ways you can give on the screen, and you can even simply scan that QR code that's on your screen right now, and it will take you straight to where you want to go. Thank you, family, and blessings to you all. And I'm going to hand over to Liz Nelson, who has a letter for you. Hello, my name is Liz Nelson, and I am the chair of the HR subcommittee for the HUMC Governance Board. I come to you today to read another letter for you from our Reverend Mark Nakagawa. Dear Hollywood United Methodist Church, I write you at this time as a follow-up to my previous letter of May 16th, which announced that Reverend Denise Barnes will conclude her ministry among you at the end of June. I now bring you the good news that Reverend Denise will be appointed to Crescenta Valley United Methodist Church beginning July 1st. As I stated previously, 
her experiences here at Hollywood UMC enabled her to be ordained as a full elder in the United Methodist Church and to develop ministerial gifts that will serve her well in her next appointment. Additionally, Reverend Denise will continue to serve as a conference staff person to develop ministries that move us towards full inclusion as a church. As a side note, this is just Liz. We are incredibly proud of Denise. Uh, I am also excited to announce that Pastor Bridie Roberts will be appointed to your staff effective July 1st in a part-time capacity. Bridie has a passion for ministries of justice and compassion. I know that she will complement the current ministries of Hollywood and lead you into developing new ones to further God's shalom. As we now begin to transition out of the global pandemic of the past 14 months, may God guide us forward into being a new church that speaks to a new day in our local and global context. Grace and peace, Reverend Mark M. Nakagawa, the West District Superintendent. I know that there's a lot of change going on right now in the world and in our church. Um, during these times of transitions, I find myself looking not only at new possibilities, new opportunities, new hope, um, but also finding comfort in the familiar. And so I hope you'll join me now enjoying the reliable and remarkable talent of our HUMC choir. Don't be 
A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? One can enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. So do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses. And you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone that is born from the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, well, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, that we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Of all the different types of worships we share in here at HUMC, last week's Pentecost is always one of my favorites. New members, baptisms, and confirmation, all celebrated and giving us the amazing gift of welcoming new folks into our church family and into the body of Christ is an overwhelming and awe-inspiring act. The joy on everyone's faces, the welcome these new people receive from all around them, and the sharing of that is something very special. And of course, this year, it was especially meaningful and significant for me. That was possibly the last time I will share that service with all of you. As you heard again just now, it was announced a couple of weeks ago that the bishop has determined that my ministry is needed in another place. And so my season with you all is coming to a close. I'll talk more about this on June 20th, which will be my last day serving at HUMC. But it seems so fitting that last week we welcomed new members, baptized some of our young people, and confirmed two of our youth, just as I prepared to take my leave from you. The body of Christ is a constantly growing and changing entity, and whether we are here physically, present online, or even geographically remote, we are all part of that same body and all have our role to play. And the scripture for today is a great illustration of what it means to be a Christian, a part of the body of Christ, 
and how that call on our lives makes a difference to how we live them out. For example, I read a great snippet the other day where a Sunday school teacher was endeavoring to impress upon their class the importance of living the Christian life. And she asked of the class, why do people call me a Christian? There was a short pause until one young person answered, maybe it's because they don't know you. Amusing for sure, but also illustrative of why it is so important to live out our call in tangible and visible ways, and of those things we are called to be and how we are called to live them out in today's world. When you're going through the ordination process as clergy in the UMC, a process which takes, as you all know, a minimum of five years, you are called to share your call story many times at every interview, in many of the papers, and each opportunity you have to come before one of the members of the district committee or the board of ordained ministry. At first, this was very frustrating to me. How many times can you say the same thing to people who you know have heard it before? But as the process continued, I began to see the value in this requirement. When you genuinely think about why or how you are called to be a Christian, it solidifies to yourself how, what, and why you believe, and also helps you understand what requirements this places on you, both personally and theologically, as you live out that call. What does it mean when matched with the gifts bestowed on you and where and how you can apply them in the surroundings and culture of which you are located. And we learn today of Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus to ask questions in the dead of night. We don't know where or when this takes place, other than that Jesus was in town because it was Passover. Nicodemus was a scholar, a recognized and respected theologian, and a leader of his community of Pharisees. For him to be seen with Jesus at all put him at great risk within his community. So he comes in the darkness, in the shadows where no one can see him. He comes in the darkness seeking the light which only Jesus can show to him. He wants answers. He wants to explore more. But he's not ready to do this in public yet nor is he ready to let his faith change his life. The repercussions on his life would be so huge, he would lose his coveted standing in the community and become part of a marginalized and oppressed group by turning to follow the ways that Jesus was teaching. Sounds kind of similar to today, doesn't it? It isn't cool to be a Christian in our culture and society. With so much division between Christians across the country, vastly differing views on who is welcome and who is not, and the roles that organized religion has played in creating, sustaining, and perpetuating many of the isms which plague so many, to identify as a Christian requires bravery and commitment. Jesus responds to Nicodemus by talking about our rebirth as Christians through baptism how we have to be born by water and the Spirit in order to take up that call placed on our lives. As Methodists, being born by water and the Spirit is fundamental to what we believe and practice in our Christian faith. 
We believe that our baptism is grounded in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, making available a grace to us through the atonement of Christ, which in turn has restored our covenantal relationship with God. The imagery of darkness to light from Nicodemus' encounter with Jesus is reflected in our own invitation from and commitment to leading the life Jesus showed us so that we too are able to leave the darkness and enter into the light. Because of God's compassionate love for all of us, we are able to face all we encounter along the way and to live out our lives with that bold courage and radical hospitality we have been shown by Jesus is our calling. Although we only encounter Nicodemus a handful of times, he teaches us some powerful lessons. The first being that however wise, knowledgeable or learned we think we are, there is always room for growth and change in our lives, and we should never think we have reached as far as we can on our journey. Nicodemus returns in John 7 when he argues that Jesus shouldn't be arrested because he did not have a fair hearing. Here we see Nicodemus' faith already growing, and although he has not yet found the courage to live it out in full view of his community, he is becoming brave enough to take a stand when he sees that fair and just systems and methods are not being used. He takes a stand in defense of Jesus and the way he is being treated. In chapter 19, towards the conclusion of John, we hear that it was Nicodemus who bought the spices to prepare Jesus' body for burial. Now he is living out his faith in full view, tending to and loving the man who had turned their world upside down and acting in complete contrast to the way his culture demands and expects him to. He is living into the faith which he has been exploring, finding himself more and more compelled to do the right thing because of his faith and understanding as to who Jesus was and the amazing act of forgiveness which was playing out in front of his very eyes. As Randall Zachman points out in his commentary on this passage, Nicodemus has understood that the self-giving love of God in Christ cannot be accepted without illuminating our lives from the inside out, revealing to us that our old life not only is from below, but also is filled with deep darkness that oppresses the light of the love of God. For Christmas of 2019, Deborah gave me a five-year diary in which each page has five entries, one for each year. I've never before kept a diary, and yet this one, because it only requires a line or two, has become a part of my morning devotional time. It's been an interesting exercise as each day I add my entry and read what I wrote for last year while we were still pretty much at the beginning of COVID. And boy, were we naive a year ago about how this would all play out. For some of the days, though, there's simply someone's name written. This week marked the anniversary of the murder of George Floyd. And as I read his name in my diary, I paused to reflect on all that has happened since then. His passing created a new wave of awareness in so many of us as to just how bad the systemic racism is in this country and in the world. 
And yet I've struggled very much with the phrase, the double pandemic of COVID and racism. And I realized this week that it's because in my mind, racism is not a pandemic. In her blog, Haley Manley wrote these words, better reflecting the thoughts I have been grappling with. Racism is not that. Racism is not new. It's unceasing with no treatment or vaccine in sight. A more appropriate diagnosis would be racism as a chronic disease like cancer or diabetes. But this particular chronic disease does not destruct the body of the individual who is infected. Instead, in America, its effects are felt through the entire African-American community and are not only physical, but also emotional and social. And of course, it's not only African-Americans who suffer the effects of racism. And it's not just racism which causes so much harm to life, body, and soul in so many people. The systems which have been constructed to order our society are the ones which cause so much harm and are the chronic disease by which so many suffer. As we reflect on the last year or so and all that has happened and changed in our lives, we can see that this call on us as Christians is more urgent than ever before. Our hopes and prayers that society will be changed forever by this experience don't seem to be working out too well so far. Gun violence is at peak levels. Conflicts in the Holy Land reaching terrifying levels with anti-Semitism on the rise everywhere. Violence against Asian and Pacific Islanders is at levels never before seen. And let's face it, despite all the outrage against the murders of so many people of color by our police forces and Black Lives Matter's protests, very little has been done to produce tangible change in this area or in the lives of far too many. And I would be remiss if I did not include the UMC's own struggles where the lives and futures of so many LGBTQIA people have been put on hold and are no longer even talked about, let alone had a solution. We have to do better. We are called to move from the darkness into the light and there is so very much darkness. Now is the time for us, like Nicodemus, to take on the mantle of courage and to act as God is calling us to. Words alone don't work. Protests alone don't work. Raising awareness through social media alone doesn't work. Our call is to act, to work at producing legislation and at ministries of not only compassion, but also of justice. My challenge for you and for me is the following question. What will your diary look like a year from now? What will you have done to work for changes in these systems of harm and destruction? Where is God calling you to take action? In conclusion, I will share this story. There was once a little bird living in a cage. The cage life was really all he had ever known and could remember, and as such, it seemed like a normal life to the bird. It was a decent-sized cage. There was enough room to move around comfortably, although not quite enough space to fly free. And that bird yearned to fly free, and so lived for a long time praying to be set free from the cage. 
One day, while he was taking a tour of the inside of the cage, the bird was surprised to see that the cage had a door. Fascinated and excitedly, excitedly examining it further, the bird was amazed to discover that the latch of the door was unlocked. With one small peck, the latch disengaged and the door swung open. Here was the freedom so longed for, the chance to spread their wings and really fly. Sadly, the bird stayed back, bound to the cage and too afraid to make the leap into the unknown, terrified to leave the perceived safety of the old life lived and not having enough courage to take that leap and fly out into the world outside. So my friends, as we conclude today, let us try not to be like that little bird but rather to be like Nicodemus, as we remember our invitation from Jesus to become full participants in the light, to have the courage to answer our call as Christians wherever we find ourselves, and to remember always that we are born by water and the Spirit into lives so abundant and rich that we can do nothing other than act in the ways Jesus taught us and share our love and light throughout the world. Amen. And as we leave here today, may we go knowing that the love of Christ, the peace of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit are with us always. Amen.